Hey, how are you? It's been a while since we last met. <laughs> oh yes, I got older. I got fatter. <laughs> In this episode of Key Self Mastery Live Your Life with a Purpose podcast, I have invited an inspiring guest and his name is Terence Nunes. He is no stranger to controversy. We connected through Facebook. We have a lot of our common friends. And he used to hold a very high position in Darul Alkam, Muslim Converts Association of Singapore. He is also a Muslim convert. He didn't embrace Islam because he was pressured or because of the community or because of family members or because of marriage. But it was because of his theological reasonings from his studies, readings and research that he found truth in Islam. When I met him, he shared a lot about his past and including the civil war in Sri Lanka, amongst many others. Terence is known in the community as someone who has contributed to the banning and deportation of major religious scholars and preachers, including imams from entering Singapore. And this is the reason why I invited him because he is someone who takes a firm stand and has the courage to speak up when needed to despite the lack of agreement in the community. Why these imams and scholars got banned and deported from Singapore was because those scholars and or the imams said something that could impact the social fabric of a multicultural, a multi-religious country like Singapore and it could also affect the safety of the country and what's even problematic is that some of the preachers said something that has no proper theological backings in Islam and no one dared to correct them except Brother Terence here. That is why I invited him over for this topic which is taking a stand and never backing down. I find that there's no one are fit enough to share about this topic other than Brother Terence Nunes. Since this podcast is about self-mastery, listen from the angle of how one can take a stand in their lives. Controversies and dramas aside, listen from the perspective of your life as to how you can take a stand to what you firmly believe in your life and how you can take a stand with integrity and doing it responsibly and honestly without worrying about what people say. Live your life with purpose. This podcast episode is about taking a stand and I know you as someone who takes a stand and that's admirable because it's very hard to see someone who has firm and sound beliefs about what they stand for. I know you as someone who is passionate about Islam the, in terms of their theology based on your Facebook group that I'm also a member of. And I can see that you take this subject very seriously in a way that if people were trying to say Otherwise, you have no qualms about correcting that person and putting that person in, in their place. In the- yeah, I'm very curious about that. Where does that the confidence come from? I think I know where it comes from, but I just want to hear it from you. Uh, where do you think that comes from, that confidence to just say things as it is? I think I got bold. You know, when you're young, right? Human nature, that we always want to please people. We want to fit in. We all go through that phase. As you get older and you do things and accomplish things, you realize that for the majority of people, their opinions don't matter. We all have haters. I mean, 
to borrow a term from the younger generation. I'm certain you have people who don't like you, right? You know? Of course. Not. The more you do things, the more you're involved in things, or perhaps the more you accomplish, there will always be people who don't like you. The reason is because they see something that they want that they do not have or they cannot have. And so what they really hate is not really you, but themselves. And when it comes to taking a stand on anything, see, there's a very fine line. A lot of people take a stand on things, but their stance is based on bigotry or prejudice or simply ignorance. There are people none so confident as the people who are ignorant because they don't know that they do not know. Mm. If you want to say by taking a stand, I think Donald Trump takes a stand on a lot of things. They're all wrong, but he's very assertive about that, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're looking in the right sense, the right manner, it starts like this. I don't have an opinion on something until I've taught it. I've considered it at length. So if somebody asks me something I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If you notice, I never talk about things I don't. So yeah. I always sound very intelligent. And that's the key, you know? If you are to ask me about something that's outside of my area of knowledge, I have no opinion. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that is within my scope of expertise, it means that I've expended a lot of time and effort acquiring that level of knowledge. I read a lot and then I write what I read. I break down the arguments. This is in my nature of my work in finance. Mm-hmm. For that, and of course in religion. Now, religion is a very serious matter. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the afterlife. And as a convert, if I'm going to change my theological convictions, then I must be certain, mm-hmm. right? I left a lot of things behind. I went through a lot of things to come to Islam. So I have to think every step clearly. I came, I came alone. Mm-hmm. Right? No one. I left everything behind. And that gives you strength. Mm-hmm. It tells you that my theological convictions is not based on the community. I don't need their approval. Mm-hmm. I don't because they were not there when I was going through all this period of struggle and uncertainty. None of them were there. None of the great shakes. Mm-hmm. The mufti wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the credibility to tell me now that, oh, you must do this, you must do that. Because they didn't walk my shoes. Mm-hmm. This is not arrogance. This is just practicality. Mm-hmm. Right. Along the way, I acquired teachers. And how do I find them? I look for people that practice the little things they say they do. I went for a class once and the ustas, and I used the word very loosely, was talking about you know, Tahara. And Tahara is about caring for the environment. And you know, it's not just about yourself. And those are wonderful things, great things. Mm-hmm. It's true. I've subscribed to that. And then he took a smoke break. And then I saw him throw the cigarette butt on the ground. Mm-hmm. So everything that he talked about was just words. Mm-hmm. I never met it by the class. So I'm very particular who I take my religion. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm very particular who I, what I take, who I take anything from. Right. You know, I don't just go for any class. So when you are very careful of all these things, that's how you get certainty. Mm-hmm. At least certainty to enough to know that maybe I don't have the correct answer to this particular issue, but I know your answer is wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's how it starts. You don't always have to have the right answers. Part of religion is wara. Part of wara is knowing myself. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right answers, someone will come along that is part of the divine plan mm-hmm. and they will give you the answer. And along the way, mm-hmm. I have met many people who gave me the right answers. And a lot of them, are not necessarily the most well-known scholars. Mm-hmm. In fact, I shun celebrity scholars. Mm, yeah, okay. that seems to be on the rise in the digital age. Yeah. You see, the thing is this. Many of the, the people of God are people of obscurity and seclusion. Mm. They're not well-known. They don't often have the trappings. They don't have the, the huge, you know, yeah. sarban and they dress a certain way. They're very quiet people, normal okay. people. Yeah. But when they say something, it is a profound truth that opens your heart and elevates your soul. And you know that you have found a man of religion, a man of Moses and Arif. Yeah. These people are rare. And sadly, not many Muslims know that. <laughs> They're looking for 
a celebrity status kind of a picture to follow. It's a herd mentality. It's great what you shared. One thing I like about you is that, yeah, you did your own research. You don't just follow blindly. You're, you're not a blind follower of anything. Okay, be it in terms of your career, when you give financial advice, I'm sure you give some financial advice based on the homework that we've done. It is not coming from trying to appear smart and the fact that you said you only know what you know and you don't try to pretend to know what you don't know. There's humility in there and not many people can admit that they have something that they don't know. They would try to prove a point. Uh, I see that happening a lot in the comment section in social media and even in arguments among family. It takes one to you know let go of your ego to admit that you don't know anything. And I, I can see that about you because when someone did bring up a topic that you don't know, you say you don't know. <laughs> and that's true what you say. Uh, sadly, not many people can see that. Because they think that you are being arrogant, <laughs> you know, when you are trying to say something based on facts, right? And they misconstrue you and think that you are just being arrogant. Why do you think, you know, it's hard for people to just say that they don't know in your point of view? Yeah. Because people are afraid to lose. The nature of humanity is everybody wants to be someone. Everybody wants to be known. And so if you want to be known, it matters to you what people think. And some of these articles, nobody has a, a like or there's no comments. But he doesn't understand the point. If I put things there, I don't really care if nobody else reads it. Because I wrote it, it also means that I reviewed and I considered before I arrived at it. This is part of my learning. If someone takes something from it, again, if someone can correct me, correct me means with some proof, right? I've changed my mind on many things over the years. I've changed my mind on the hijab. I've changed my mind on many, many theological issues, right? Whether it's an issue of jurisprudence or it's an issue of creed. Because as you learn more, you revise your positions. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I don't hold the same positions on many things. But the things that depends on who said it and how they arrive at it. It's very important at how somebody arrives. A lot of times when people talk about this, right? They look it up. Imam so-and-so said this. What happens is that they are looking at the last two lines of uh, several pages of a fatwa. And what they take is the final ruling. And that's not the correct. Because why? We need to understand the circumstances where these great scholars arrive at it and decide based on that whether those circumstances apply to us. What we want to take from them is the thought process so we understand the intent of the scholar and their interpretation of the prophetic intent and their interpretation of the divine intent. That is how you arrive at a position, theological, jurisprudential, or otherwise. So people don't do that because maybe they're lazy. They want it to be easy. They want it to be packaged. This is what the hadith says. Yeah, true. But then I can also produce another hadith that says the opposite. So how does that mean we throw all hadiths? Because some people do that, right? But then they forget that narrations are snapshots of moments. There's a context to it. There's a circumstance. There's a reason for it. So when the Prophet said something, what is such and such and so and so, what was the divine intent? That is the lesson that we should take. People don't do that because they are so in a hurry to be right. It's so in a hurry for approval. And we have this problem with many of the younger students. They all say this, right? Many of them. You know, I want to be a and it starts because I want to change the world. I want to correct the woman. Have you heard that? Of course. Who are you to correct anything? You don't even sure you're correct. Until the books are closed, until the day you're raised, you don't even know you're correct. You can't guarantee anything. Can you guarantee your own salvation? You can't. You want to go and correct people. That is arrogance. What all of us have 
our perspectives, our interpretation of the divine intent. Nothing more. Some are better than others due to their elevated spiritual status and their greater knowledge. Many of our departed great scholars, many of us are pretenders. Many of our great scholars are great because they are famous. They're not great because they were necessarily the best in their field. Mm. We must also recognize that. Yes. You know, I've been in the personal development field for so many years. And sometimes when I achieve the transformative results that I have, I felt motivated to change the world. (laughs) So I've ever said that before. My inspiration is that I can change the world to inspire others, spreading love and kindness. And I see that as saying my dua, you know, and I know, of course, ultimately it's up to Allah. It's not up to me, but I guess it depends on your intention why you say that, right? I mean, it's okay to think about, you know, wanting to make a difference to people in the world, as long as you know that ultimately it is from Allah. It is part of our religion to want to make a difference. There's nothing wrong with that. It mm-hmm. is part of our religion to want to leave the world a better place. That is not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is why. What is the intention for it? Mm-hmm. If you seek it because you want to be known and aggrandized, then it is shirk. Mm-hmm. You have, to, you have tried to interpose yourself between God and His creation. Mm. If you want to do it because you recognize it is the very least that's expected of us, and that is religion. That is the sunnah. Yeah. So it's not about one thing, it's about why. Most people never question why. Mm. Yeah, thanks that, for bringing that up. You know, there's a lot of minor shiriks that we are not aware of that we commit on a daily basis. Shirik means uh, politism or associating others to God. And this is something that, you know, even my teachers is always reminding me of, of this little, little shirik that a lot of people are not, not paying special attention to. Because uh, our community is always focusing on the solat and on the fasting, on the zakat and on the hajj and all that, right? But they forgot about, you know, when you commit shirik, then... All your solat and all that is as if like you are you didn't even question like which god are you praying to <laughs> yeah so I understand mm, yeah do you have anything to add on to that no please go ahead yeah when you put yourself out there and being a firm stand about your principles and values in life i would like to also know what's your values in life okay before you answer this question and there would be individuals who would challenge those values right so you've already answered that there, there will be haters who, who challenge you and who don't like what you stand for. Do you mind sharing with our listeners here what are your values in life? I think before that, let's clarify some one mm. point. I don't actually put myself out there, even of this. I only speak on the group. Brother Terence here is the founder of the sharing group on Facebook. And that is only when people ask questions. And mm. Many of them were, I was there when they converted. Mm. And I was there when they had their first marriage, or maybe they are divorced, or they were thinking of leaving Islam. So that's that credibility that's there. I wasn't there as some scholar, I was just there as a friend. That's what we're supposed to be. Yes, set the public. But if you notice, I don't like shade all over the place. I don't get involved in community discussions. You don't see me in random forums. I don't put myself out there. People put me out there, especially people who don't like me, right? We will share okay. posts here and there and say, say this and I say that and a lot of times they don't do it within the context mm. because they have an agenda and it's fine I don't really care it doesn't bother me now when you talk about values right 
within the context of Islam, mm. there's only one thing that matters. That's God. And everything that we do, we try to do it within the ambit of the divine intent. And it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Because what we want is not always what is decreed. That is the challenge. The acceptance that things don't always go our way. The pain of loss and separation, disappointment, it is all part of the process. And we go through that. Was it not said in Surah Al-Qabur? Did you not think that just because you say you believe you will not be tested? Mm. Do men think that they will be left alone on saying we believe and that they will not be tested? This is Surah Al-Ankabut, verse number 2. It's just a place of testing. The religion is a place of testing. And as we try and find our way, and sometimes we lose it. Mm-hmm. And when we lose our way, God finds ways to bring us back. Yeah. So that's what the values are about. Now as to what we do based on those values, if you're certain of particular positions and speak it based on those things, Hmm. I don't have a fear of what people think about me because firstly I'm fortunate in that I don't depend on them. Hmm. My uh, career, my interests, my financial positions are dependent on them. Hmm. I can do whatever I want. Hmm. So I said, oh, remember there was this issue with the imam in the mosque? Yes. So he said something against Christians and Jews and non-Muslims. The part that offended me was not so much that he said it, but the fact that he claimed that it was uh, Sunnah of the Prophet. Mm. That's how it started, because mm. that's not how it is. And I stood up for it, and of course a lot of people were displeased, and the imam was found to be guilty, and he was charged, and he faced the consequences, and he was deported. Mm. And then I had meetings with several members of the Malay Muslim community with the emphasis on the Malay part. And he said, we will never accept you as one of us. And I said, I don't care. When I came to Islam, you were not there. When I first said the Shada, none of you were there. Mm-hmm. What does it matter to me whether you accept me or not? Mm-hmm. On the day of judgment, a prophet, Salah, is not going to ask your opinion of me. Mm-hmm. not important. They said I was arrogant. Maybe I was. Mm-hmm. But it is the truth. If you believe in something, then stand for it. If you have the courage to stand for it, you only have the courage because we realize that ultimately we will be answerable for actions. Mm-hmm. And I would fear to be asked, why did you not speak up on the day of standing? Right. That fear should outweigh any fear we have on anything that happens in this world. That's so that, true. Yeah. That's what matters. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> you know, your sharing really touches my heart. As a Muslim, by default, our purpose is to be close to Allah and to do things because of Allah. If you really delve into that, you will find an unstoppable stand that you will not be afraid of what people think of you. You just take that stand to do whatever that works for you in your life in the name of Allah. And that will give you confidence and strength. Because I didn't really follow that news, I knew the outcome of the, what happened to that imam, and I knew that you were the one who called him out for it. How did you do it? Like, did you confronted it through the authority or to the media, or you went one to one with him? Like, how he he got deported eventually? No, we trust the process of the state. I wrote into the government and asked them to investigate. Mm, right, so you just left it, at, at the... and I wrote about it on my blog and explained it that this sort of behavior is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the mosque allowed it to happen, not once, but several times, was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And before that, I actually wrote to Moise. Moise did nothing, because I don't care if you're the Mufti, mm-hmm. or the Grand Mufti, or the Maulana Sultana Aulia. Wrong is wrong. And you lied about it. And I wrote into the government that mm-hmm. they right. did something. 
Okay, so what did he like about? He claimed uh-huh. that I never wrote into Moise and they didn't know about it. Oh, okay. All I had to do was forward the email. Mm. Okay, right, right. Moise didn't take the stand to correct what was false, uh, not get involved in the crossfire between the government and... I mean, to be fair, you have to understand Moise is a delicate position. Mm-hmm. On one hand, the uh, organization essentially created to, to manage the administration of Muslim Law Act. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to represent us and our interest to the government, but they're also supposed to represent the secular government's interest to us. Mm-hmm. But I feel that sometimes they yeah. lack the courage to take a stand on things because they don't want to offend the community. Mm-hmm. They don't want to tell the community that sometimes certain people are wrong. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for Moes to come down against people like Murat Said, mm-hmm. calling for the beheading of apostates in Singapore? Right. Moes didn't do anything. I wrote it. Okay. Or how about the one of the scholars supporting ISIS? So I wrote in the government of many things. Mm-hmm. Every one of them I bypassed Moes after that. Because in any case, I feel, and I know that perhaps this is controversial. Moise doesn't represent the Muslim community. Moise represents the interests of elements of the Malay community. Moise doesn't speak for converts. Mm-hmm. In fact, there is no organization in Singapore that speaks for converts, not even the Rafa. Mm-hmm. There used to be a time, yes, the time is past. It is no coincidence that the sharing group has more converts than the itself. The irony. All right. Okay. Thanks for sharing the controversy that surrounds you. <laughs> I'm sure this part alone will make the thing blow up. <laughs> okay, so uh, when you said that you didn't put yourself out there, well, you, you, the sharing group has about like close to 7,000 members. So that's like a lot of members. <laughs> it's not so, just that. It has a lot of influential people there hmm, yeah. from all over the world. Scholars, people who hate Muslim organizations, people who sit committees here and there. Mm-hmm. So, even though compared to a lot of other groups, you know, there are other groups on Facebook, or they have like tens of thousands of members, hundreds of thousands of members, and the sharing group only has 7,000. It has a lot of influential people there. So, sometimes the things that we tell and discuss are very have weight. They shape policy in some countries around the world wow. because the ideas and the discussions occur in the group. That's wonderful. Okay. For example, the sharing group was one of the first groups to call out Musa Serantonio, mm. the guy who was an Australian convert asking people to join ISIS. Oh. And he was in that group, somebody added him, and we were the first to shut him down all these ideas. Mm. You know? We had people in our group writing to the Australian government about him. Mm. Right? We were the first to discuss many of these other things that came out because why? This was the place where people felt that it was safe to share. Right? Mm. We were the first groups to discuss about certain celebrity imam and, um, well, there were a few actually, and their sexual indiscretions with women and a Muslim. That sharing group is a safe place for Muslims to share about anything and everything about life and also to discuss about religion in a safe manner where you don't get judged. Unless, of course, you're being rude, <laughs> then Brother Terence here wouldn't I mean, we can, I mean, we can see what kind of, I mean, sometimes people are upset, they said that. Yeah. But we don't allow people to shut down conversations, you know, mm. and tell, oh, you can't say this, or Islam says you can't say so. Mm. Right? We had we had one uh, local Ustas, Singapore Ustas, was on the sharing group and says, whoever believes in female prophets is a kafir. 
Chassid is not even a major issue of creed, by the way. Imam, Ashari, Imam al-Ashari and Imam al-Maturidi had differing opinions on this. So is Imam al-Ashari a kafir for saying that there's a possibility? Is Imam al-Qutubi a kafir for saying that? Yes, actually, Ibn Arabi a, a kafir for saying that? See, this is what's happened, you know, a lot of our local asatiza, namely they go al-Asad, and they study things like faith, right? Sharia and all that. It's famous, right? Sharia is easy to study for them. A lot of them don't study theology. But they come back and they teach in the mosque and they start teaching all kinds of things, tafsir, theology, and this and that. And because they know a bit, they think they're qualified to talk about everything. And that's the problem. And say so it is haram to believe this, is it makes it cool. If you look at the religion, 1,400 years of scholarship, we had a lot of scholars with all kinds of positions. Who are you, your ignorance, to start throwing people out of Islam just because they don't agree with your favorite scholar? Whereas when it comes to things, there are really issues where it is a legitimate takfir, mm. right? And this is not something like mujassima, idolatry, likening God to creation, all that stuff. The thing where the great scholars have come up strongly against it from the various earliest days of Islam. Mm. But you have fatawa after fatawa after fatawa. Another thing that I notice about you is that you're not afraid to be vulnerable, to acknowledge your human side. I mean, you... We are humans. Yeah, you do have a certain position in the Muslim community. You do lead uh, prayers and, you know, you are in the Nashabandi Mitasaw group, right? You are a person with a lot of followers, I would say. Right? Am I? I never noticed that, actually. I do notice that. You, you've you just conducted, like, the Naria, right? This, uh, all these things you know? are stuff that we do on the choir to help people along. I have mm. no intention of being an imam or a shay or anything. I have no intention of all that stuff. Mm. We leave it to people who want all these things or people who are more inclined or better at it, right? Mm. I was Naqshbandi because my shay, she's a karya, even a more bakari, mm. was Naqshbandi. That was many wow. years ago. I haven't actually attended a zikir with a group ever since my uh, shay passed away. And it is, it is the nature of all this story, right? In the succession, there was drama and all that stuff, you know. This person wanted to lead that person. And I didn't want to be part of it. So, I don't attend. I'm also supposedly Tijani. Mm. I keep the married and the lazim by myself. But I don't join any group. Because when it started out, there's something, oh, if you join this group, you cannot sit with them. These photos are legitimate. Those photos are not. You know, they're nonsense. Mm. And I don't want to be part of that. So, I don't go out there. I don't need anything. I don't be part of anything. You know, my focus is on my personal father. And sometimes I share, for example, you know, at certain times it's good to do things, at certain times it's good to do that. Mm. And people take it. But if they don't, it's okay. Yeah. I don't impose. So this Salawat Naria is something that we do every week, right? Mm-hmm. It is just something for people who are, especially, you know, Muslims who are in parts of the world where there are no other Muslims, or nobody like them. So at least they feel they're part of some virtual majlis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something very simple. Recite a few things, make a dua, put it on the chat. You feel like you're part of it. And it helps. Mm-hmm. But there's no intention of me being anything or anyone or dating anything. I've been asked, for example, whether I would like to go back to a certain organization or that other place or start things or lead there and all that stuff. Fund this, fund that. I don't get involved. It sounds to me like you are a natural leader and you naturally attract you know, people who can resonate with you and who believe in your cause and what you stand for. And that's what I can see. You know, you do attract natural followers and which you don't really impose on them and you don't really recruit people to say hey join my group or you know join join my sect you don't really do that so that's wonderful i guess when you take a stand for something 
people will notice and people know what you stand for. And that's what I'm seeing. And to the listeners out there, right? So if you stand for something, just be that stand and you will naturally attract your tribe. You know, it makes life a lot easier because when you are being very congruent and aligned with your values, you don't need to filter out the people yourself. People who don't resonate with you will automatically go exit themselves. You just effortlessly attract people who can resonate with you. That's what I'm also experiencing for myself, uh, that I am naturally repelling people that I don't want to be around with and I attract people who I love being around with. And that's what I'm seeing with Terence. You know, he's even far more magnetic. I wanted to say that one episode is not enough with Brother Terence because he's got a lot of stories and, you know, histories that a lot of us didn't go through. I also want, wanted to touch a bit on that, if you don't mind. You were in the Navy and you actually went so, through that. I sailed in the, in the Merchant Navy many, many uh, years ago. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I don't really talk much about my history. I'm very careful about that. So I mm. sailed in the Merchant Navy. I was a deck cadet. Mm-hmm. I went to all the interesting places in the world. Mm-hmm. I was in Sri Lanka during the Civil War. I was in the Middle East. All not, not so nice places, but it opens your eyes. Mm. Then, of course, I was other things. I also uh, did my national service. I started out in the guards, ended up in the police force. So, inspector of police for a while. Left. Mm-hmm. Now I run my own business. I'm CEO of a startup. Mm-hmm. I'm doing quite well, actually. So, I, yeah, I fly around and I meet very important and high network clients, especially during the pandemic. Pandemics, war, uncertainty is good for finance. People want to move money, they want to buy insurance, they want to buy financial instruments. They need to put it somewhere. People want to do projects. Mm. And I'm very fortunate that in all that time, I've had a very good network of people to work with. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you don't spend your time showing off, you know, what you're doing. <laughs> if people know, then they know that. I hardly talk about myself. Do you realize that? There was one time when you were very upset and you were down. <laughs> that's when you talk about yourself. That's Other than much. that, no. <gasps> most of the time I talk about situations when we address people, but mm. most people don't know much about me. Mm. I keep a lot of things under wraps. Years and years. It also okay. means that a lot of people underestimate me because they real idea where mm. if you look at my social media my facebook right, it doesn't actually tell you much about yeah it doesn't i do training and programs about that right we train people on leadership mm. i mean toastmasters recently we have a program called the executive leadership incubator we got mm. people who are cfos ceos and all that people who are commando officers police officers civil servants so given that because they're in toastmasters and they're outside what is leadership exactly putting okay. together these kind of programs you can talk how to build organizations but what went wrong in specific organizations and why they failed their mandate and what can the community do to make it better i know you're a very busy person you know helping your clients making money uh, you're in the venture capitalist right i do some venture cap at the moment, mm-hmm. right what i do is i represent people with mm-hmm. i put people together i help clients set up single family offices and i arrange uh, their bcg the variable capital company structures, I advise on those kind of things. Mm. Of course, I do the insurance. My team, not so much myself, does the insurance for them. The more money you have, the more you have to lose, mm. right? And so insurance policies of that scale are financial instruments. We advise on things like wrappers and all that. I'm very fortunate I have a very good team around me, right? Mm. My CFO used to be a partner at Price Waterhouse. 
and specialist in merger and acquisitions at the MNC before. My CEO was the COO of uh, China MNC. He's got vast experience in the region. Great. One of the best pitch masters in the world, you know. I think he could sell ice to the Eskimos. So I'm not in the business of gathering followers, especially in things like the Sherry Group. By business, I am very particular who my team is and I spend a lot of time picking my team. Mm. You know? And the thing about leadership, if you want to be a great leader, you need to surround yourself with generals, not water carriers. The people that I surround myself, my team, are all leaders in their own right. They all have people under them. So you need to find that kind of people. You want to be a leader? Surround yourselves with leaders. Mm. Have on your team people that will tell you that you're wrong, mm. not mm. yes, man. Yes, that's true. Then you sharpen the blade of leadership and be a better person. Yeah. And that's how it is. Now, the question is how do you attract people to yourself? Well, there's marketing, which is what social media does, all the proper way mm. by being a person of integrity. Yes. How did the prophet attract people? It's actually in the Quran. When Abraham, Ibrahim, mm-hmm. built up the Kaaba, right? Mm-hmm. Allah asked him to go and call them. But he's in the desert, in the middle of nowhere. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, it's your duty to call. It is our job for them to hear. So when people talk about that, oh, we want to call people. Well. Your job is not to convince anybody. Mm-hmm. Your job is merely to convey the message so that they understand that such a thing exists. Mm-hmm. It is Allah that calls. And as long as we recognize that, He will make you the instrument of His will. Success will come to you. Yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. Then uh, when you said that you know you surround yourself with leaders and then be a person of integrity, those are things that I am currently practicing as well. I don't mind surrounding with people who can correct me. And currently, I do have my business partners who are always not afraid to tell me off when they needed to and agree to disagree. So it's very important for leaders to talk straight and not be around the bush and, you know, and just say what needs to be said. Because sometimes you need to make fast decisions and move forward quickly, you know, cannot dabble. Uh, that's wonderful that you are surrounded with leaders uh, and that's helped you with your business and what you're doing. Yeah, and Prophet Wasallam is a very great example of leadership. Yeah, and he just uh, emulates these characters where people can be inspired to follow him. He didn't really have to say, you are forced to join me. I'm the messenger of God. He didn't do that, you know, to convince people to join Islam. I mean, people do have their free will to join or to not join Islam. So from this interview alone, be congruent to who you say you are. When you need to take a stand, be sure that you are very clear about what is your stand and what is your purpose, what is your intention. Question your why and be bold to say you don't know when you are being corrected or you don't know about certain topics. So take a stand not because of you need people to agree with you or to like you, but take a stand because there is a bigger cause or a bigger picture to look at. And in this case, Terence had taken a stand when it comes to his faith and the faith of the community and the understanding about the community regarding Islam. And that is his stand. Want to live your life with purpose? Book your first coaching session with me at camillahms.com.